so today I want to talk about what's the plan for our summer. What, what are we going to do this summer? And uh, Calvin was stealing our thunder a little bit. Uh, next week, we're going to start a series called Thrive. And it's, it's going to expound exactly what Calvin shared this morning, that there are, there are four elements you need to, to survive in life. But how many of you know that God wants us to do more than survive? He, he wants us to thrive in this life. He promised to give us an abundant life. So it's not enough to just be in the natural, receiving those four things and say, I'm surviving. But when Jesus comes into our lives and puts his super on top of our natural, we go from a place of just surviving into thriving. So we're going to explore what it means for him to be the bread of life to us and what it means for him to be the light of the world. So starting next week, we're going to do that for four weeks. And because Calvin shared it in communion... That doesn't mean that you could take the next four weeks off. You're not, don't say, oh, I know what he's going to talk about already. I, don't, I can take the month of July off. Be here next week. Bring a friend even. If you know somebody, how many of you know at least one person that you know that they feel like I'm just getting by? It's all I can do to go from week to week. I'm just surviving. Come on, how many of you know somebody like that? I've met a lot of people that they say that. Well, bring them next week and say, hey, I know a way that you can go from survival mode to actually thriving in life and get them in on knowing what Jesus can do in our lives. Uh, we, we also had it on the announcements. Uh, part of our summer plan is we are going to do water baptisms on the 15th. So if that's a step you wanted to take in your walk with Jesus and you've never done it before, uh, please sign up for that and let us know. If you've got questions, I've got some notes I can give you. Uh, but there's a few people that said, hey, I, I just know my next step with Jesus needs to be going in the water and getting baptized. So we're going to make that happen this summer. And there's other things on the schedule for the summer. You know, we're going to do a kid's camp. We're going to have a picnic, all these exciting things. But seriously, what is our plan for the summer? Ask, ask yourself, say, what is my plan for this summer? I hope, I hope that we have one. Um, all Christians believe that things don't happen by chance, right? We believe there's a God. He ordered the universe. He created everything. He set things in order and gave uh, some distinction towards it. He has a will. He established everything. He's moving all of history towards his plan. He is very intentional. He has planned things out and he's intentional about it. He's constantly doing things that move circumstances towards his will. And if we believe that God is like that, why do we as Christians sometimes not make a plan and just go through life like, oh, whatever happens is what's going to happen? Have you ever been in a season like that? Sometimes it's hard to make a plan. We're just floating along and it's like, well, I don't know what's going to happen next week, but we'll find out when we get to Monday. If God is so intentional and we're called to be like him in all things, shouldn't we have a little bit of a plan for our lives also? And that's what I mean when I say, what is our plan for the summer? I believe that there's some things that we need to be intentional about. And we need to be purposeful and we need to plan some things out. I was having a conversation with somebody in the church recently and they were talking about something that they wanted. I, I can't remember if, if it was a car or something they wanted to buy for their home. And as we were talking, uh, this is the statement they made. They said, man, I, I, I'm sure I'm going to accidentally save some money to buy that thing. <laughs> and of course, it, it ended up being really funny because how many of you know that doesn't happen? There, there are not things, we, we don't just one day say, oh, 
wow, where did that money in my pocket come from? I, I accidentally saved money to, to buy that thing. That is not how life works. I have yet to meet someone who has owned and possessed something of value because they accidentally accumulated enough money to get it. How did they get that? They planned, they made a budget, they were intentional about getting it. And, and you can think about that. It applies to every area of life. I've not met anybody yet that said, man, I, I accidentally became a doctor. Come on. Is, has your doctor said that? Maybe your doctor has said that. You need to change doctors if that's what your doctor has said. Why does he not say that? Because that's not true. Nobody wakes up one morning and like, oh, I just fell into being a doctor. They have a plan. They are intentional about it. They know I'm going to devote the next 4, 8, 12, 16 years of my life to becoming something. They are very intentional and plan it out. Um, you know, we didn't, last year, Pam and I, we didn't say, hey, we're just going to wake up one morning and just happen to have enough money and go to the beach. How many of you know, even for something as simple as taking a vacation, you're intentional. You plan it out. You, you purpose to set money aside. You, you probably, it would be helpful if you're going on vacation to call in advance and make a hotel reservation. You, you might feel just like Jesus when you get to the beach and they're like, no room at the inn. Come on, how many of you have ever had that happen? You get to, you get to the vacation spot. You're like, oh, we'll book a room when we get there. We have to be intentional and plan about it. Tam, Tammy's, they're going on vacation as a family. She's, she's been researching hotels and calling places and trying to get a deal. She didn't buy plane tickets and say, hey, we're just going to fly somewhere and then hope that they have a room for us. We have to be intentional about things. And that's what I mean by what's our plan for this summer. We, we need to put some purpose into it. In Proverbs 19.21, it says, many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. This verse doesn't mean don't make a plan. I think there's some people, they read that verse and and they use that as an excuse. Well, whatever God wants to happen is what's going to happen. Has anybody ever said that? Maybe you've heard somebody say that. I have as a pastor. It's like an excuse for not being intentional, not using your time wisely, not making a plan and a purpose. You say, well, whatever God wants to happen, because it says, you know, there's lots of plans that man have, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. That verse is not an excuse. It doesn't mean don't make a plan, and it doesn't mean that the plans you make are bad. It simply means that any plans contrary to God's will and his plan won't succeed in the end. He has a plan that it overrides everything and he will move everything towards his plan and do it. But we are still called to make a plan. And the more that ours aligns with his, the better chance you have of your plan being successful. What he wants for your life, if you can fashion and find that out and make your plan according to it, that's what will happen. But we need to make a plan. If you don't make a plan, it's hard to know if you've actually accomplished anything. How do I know that I've been productive? How do I know that I achieved what I want to do if I didn't sit down in advance and make a plan to do it? I want to think a minute about the cliched assignment. How many of you, when you were a kid growing up, did you ever get to school in the fall and you had to write a paper on what I did this summer? Did they do that anymore or was that just back when we were kids? I, I don't... That's so weird. I feel like I've moved into that age range where I can say, back when we were kids. Um, I don't even know if they still do that anymore, but they they used to ask, hey, sit down and write this paper. What did you do this summer? Give me an essay on it, write about it. And I'd like to tell you this morning, you can actually write that paper in advance. Please don't get to the fall and wonder, where did my summer go? 
I didn't, I didn't make a plan for it. What? it. And I get to the fall and all of a sudden I get this assignment and I have to think, well, what did we do this summer? We, we, we didn't do much of anything. I think that would be a waste. God's asking us to be intentional about some things. Write that paper in advance and think in ahead of time. It's, it's easier to write that paper as a recap of here's what I planned to do and we were successful at it and we used our time wisely. We sowed into our family. We did something productive. Even... Even if your plan is, we're going to sit around on the porch a lot this summer and do nothing. Is that, <laughs> some, some people, that's their plan. Do you know what? That's still a plan. It may not be the wisest use of your time. It may not be the most kingdom-minded use of your time. But that's still a plan. And you can make that and accomplish it and feel good about, you know, we carried out our plan. For some of us, as busy as some people are in life, you may need to make that plan this summer. We're going to spend some time purposely relaxing together as a family. We're going to have some porch time. How many of you have ever gone on a staycation? Do you know what that is? Yeah, yeah, I see some people nodding their heads. A staycation is when you take time off of work, you're planning a vacation, and you just stay at home. And you do nothing, you accomplish maybe some tasks around the house, but it's very relaxing. Whatever your plan is, you need to make it and then see it happen this summer. We've only got 62 days until September 1st. That doesn't sound like much when you say it that way. We've got 62 days till September 1st. Let's make our summer count. Let's make our time productive. Let's do something with it. In Proverbs 16.3, it says, Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and your plans will succeed. One, one translation I saw says, Commit your business to God. And I thought, Never tell God to mind his own business. Did you ever see somebody get upset by that? You know, uh, come on. We, we've... We've had church in the West End for long enough that, that I've heard people yelling at other people, don't get all up in my business. Or business. That's what you got to say, right, Jake? Is business. Don't get in my business. How many of you know you can't say that to God? He wants to be in our business. He wants to be all up in your face and know what's going on in your life and have an influence over it. Never tell God to mind your own business. Commit your business to him and your plans will succeed. This verse assumes that we actually have a plan. It assumes that we've laid out, this is what I want to see happen in my life, and I'm committing it to him. I'm inviting him to be a part of it. I'm saying, God, I want you in the middle of this plan. Obviously, your plans can't be selfish or ungodly, okay? You, you can't say, man, I've got a plan to have an affair with my neighbor's wife, and I'm going to commit it to the Lord. Come on, how ridiculous is that? We all, we're all groaning a little bit like, oh, that sounds weird and icky. It's because it is. You can't say, I have a selfish or an ungodly plan and say, I'm going to commit it to the Lord so he'll help me succeed. That's why as Christians, we need to be finding out what is his will, what are the principles he wants us to live by, and that's what I'm fashioning my plan according to. But I do make a plan, and I say, God, I want you in the middle of it. And when I do that, it says my plans will succeed. So how do we make a plan for our summer? What can we do to make sure we don't waste our time? I think the first thing is we need to pray. There, there is something, this is not just a cliche, this is first for a reason. When we pray, we're saying, God, I want you to be involved in my plan from the start. I want you to come and give me your wisdom. I think it demonstrates a lack of faith when we don't pray. It's, it, I think it demonstrates a lack of common sense when we don't plan, but it's a lack of faith when we don't pray. 
There are, there are a lot of natural things that we can do and we should be doing to order our lives and to set priorities, but it's only a lack of faith when we don't pray and say, God, I want you to be involved in this process. Don't, and please don't get paralyzed if he doesn't give you step-by-step instructions. He may just say, that's a great plan, or here's an overall thing I'd like to see you do. But we, we had a friend, she would go to the grocery store and she would get paralyzed in the aisle with the green beans, thinking, God, should I buy Green Giant or Del Monte? Come on, how many of you know that's a little bit obsessive and overboard? Don't get paralyzed. God may not give you that much detail. She would literally stand there and pray and, and be like, what do I do? I don't know. Should I buy both? Should I buy neither? God's, I don't think he micromanages our lives that much. Just be open to whenever he speaks to adjust our plan, but don't get paralyzed. He is big enough that he can interrupt you if you're getting off course with your life, with the plan that you've set. In fact, I think that the only time you read through all the Old Testament, the Israelites got in trouble the most when they didn't ask God ahead of time, is this a good plan? There, there are several stories in scripture where they, they really got in trouble. They went to, they just had this huge victory with uh, Jericho and they, they found this tiny little town called Ai and they didn't even ask the Lord what was going on. They just said, oh, just send a couple thousand guys. It's not a big town. We'll route it like we did Jericho. They didn't ask God and what happened. They, they got a bunch of people killed because of it. And they found out, oh, there was sin in the camp. We should have asked God what was going on. There, there was another time uh, they met these travelers they thought they were travelers on the road they were guys from Gibeah that said hey we don't we've heard about the Israelites we don't want them to destroy us let's go fool them we'll we'll act like we're on a long journey and it specifically says in scripture that the men of Israel did not inquire of the Lord and the the end result was God was upset because it was like hey you weren't supposed to make a covenant or a treaty with these people and because you didn't ask me first that's exactly what you did How many of us have ever had that experience in our lives? Because we didn't ask him first, we did exactly the opposite of what God wanted in our lives. Praying is first for a reason. We just need to involve him in the plan from the beginning. But don't stop with just praying. Like I said, I think it's a lack of faith if we don't pray, but it's a lack of common sense if we don't plan. Don't stop with just praying. You know, we could have, what we did last week, thank you so much for giving to Africa. It was an amazing thing to get to go to send that money to Pastor Pacific. But if we would have stopped with just praying, hey, I think it's a great idea to help build a church in Africa. Let's pray about it. What's going to happen to the church in Africa? Probably not much. They'll they'll be blessed because our prayers do something. But how many of you know we need to take it a step further? Sometimes the prayers we pray, you're the answer to it. And God wants us to go from praying to actually making a plan. God, what should I do to help make this happen? Do I have a role to play in what I'm praying about? And that's the next step of it. We go from praying to we can plan. Proverbs 20:18 says, make plans by seeking advice. If you wage war, obtain guidance. How many of you know that the, the IQ of a group of people is higher than the IQ of the individual people in the group? Did you ever hear that before? The, the group IQ, if we get together, if, if I'm the one that's going to be responsible for coming up with all the answers, I'm going to get to the end of what I know and I'm not going to have any more answers. But if I surround myself with people, especially people that may be a little bit different or they've got different expertise than me, my IQ suddenly goes up. It says, 
make, when you're making your plans, seek advice. We all know smart people. Some of us don't want to admit we all know people who are smarter than us. That was, I heard one amen. Everybody else got really quiet. How many of you know we all know people who are smarter than us? Amen. And all the, I see like a bunch of the wives, or they're nudging the, their husbands, like, say amen to that one. We all know people who are smarter than us, so we can ask other people. And, and if you think you're the smartest person in the room, I guarantee you there is an area of expertise that somebody else in this room is smarter than you about. I had to throw that in because I was just thinking, I'm the smartest person in this room. <laughs> we need to ask for advice when we're making a plan. We don't have to do it all by myself. And, and thankfully, especially in the context of the body of Christ, there are people who aren't just smart in natural things, but they will tell you godly principles also. Like, hey, that's not a good plan because did you know in Scripture it says this? We, we should be lenders and not borrowers. We should be the head and not the tail. There, there may be things that are a part of your plan that bouncing it off somebody else in the body of Christ will help you stay on course with it being a godly plan. Man, think about things that you are an expert in. If you're single and you're thinking, man, I need to make a plan for getting married, don't ask other single people to help you make the plan. Come on, that's an amen point too. If you're single and you want to get married, look around the room and say, wow, they've been married for 40 years. Wow, they've been married for 30 years. Like, find somebody to begin to say, what's the secret in the success to being married? Or if you're a young couple, do that also. But look for people around you. Make plans by seeking advice is what the scripture says. And once you plan, please don't stop there either. How many of you have ever had a great plan on paper, but nothing ever happened in your life? We need to take a step from planning to actually doing. That's, that's the next step. We go from planning, we go to do. I think our plan should stretch us. There, our plan should include some element of faith. God, if you don't show up, this plan might not work. But the plan should still be realistic enough that you can actually begin to do it. Come on. How many of you have ever had a plan that it's like, man, that sounds awesome in theory, but there's no practical way for us to get from here to there. There has to be some element of reality still in our plan. And don't get discouraged if you have to make adjustments to your plan along the way. You, you may be thinking, hey, by the end of this summer, you know, we want to go on vacation, we're saving money, and then the fridge breaks. And you're thinking, oh, that's, that's a detail or that's a detour in my plan. We have to do something different. Don't get discouraged by that. It happens to everybody. Even in uh, Paul's life, this is what he wrote to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians 1. It says, confident of your welcome, I had originally planned two great visits with you. He was going to go see him on his way to Macedonia and then on the way back to Judea. And it says, that, you know, that was the plan he had, but it changed. Paul didn't get to make that visit. In verse 17, he says, are you now going to accuse me of being flipped with my promises because it didn't work out? Come on, you're not the only one that's ever had to adjust a plan. Everyone has plans that needed to be adjusted. Your plan is only a failure if it causes you to quit and give up. If something comes up that makes you say, well, forget it, we're just not going to do anything, that's when it becomes a failure. But all of us need to be willing to say, God, help me adjust my plans. Let me be dealing with the things that come up that's a little bit of a curveball. Give me the grace to walk through it. And he will. He'll do that. So after we, after we plan, after we pray, we plan, we do, uh, I think we need to spend some time celebrating together when people accomplish their plans. 
There, there should be some aspect of us rejoicing together. Like, that's awesome. Man, Jonathan, you were planning to buy a new car. You got the new car by the end of summer. Like, there should be some rejoicing in that. Like, celebrate with them and have, ask them to take you for a ride or whatever it may be. Um, there should be some sort of accomplishment that we can celebrate together. How many of you know plans and accomplishments and celebrations are always better together? Ting. Pam, Pam is... We, we try not to forget this all the time, but we heard some guy talking about sitting around a table with your family and friends, and he says, I feel like all of life can be summed up in this sound, ting, when you're sitting with your family and friends and you toast and say, we're celebrating, we're celebrating our successes together, this is an awesome time to be together, that is the sound of rejoicing, that's the sound of life happening together. So we, we try to do that frequently as a family. When something big happens, uh, we, just, we just sold a house and bought a house and we went and celebrated with our kids. And we said, don't forget to ting. And uh, that was part of what we did. And it was awesome just being together and celebrating because celebrations are better together. And especially if you've asked somebody for advice. Remember all the smart people that I said were in the room somewhere? If you've asked them for advice, go back and tell them later. That was great advice. You won't believe what happened. They, they'll believe what happened because they were smart and they gave you good advice. But when you say you won't believe what happened, you'll be amazed at how excited they are for you to say, man, that's amazing. I knew you could do it. Thanks for, thanks for being so teachable. I'm glad, you, I'm glad my advice helped. They want to celebrate with you. So go back to those people. Even in scripture, that's a pattern. In Psalm 20, verse 4, it says, may he give you the desire of your heart and make all your plans succeed. And verse 5 says this, we will shout for joy when you are victorious and will lift up our banner in the name of our God. May the Lord grant you all your requests. I will tell you, churches ought to be a place where there's more celebrating than criticizing going on. Too often, we see some places where that's all we think is like, man, these people here do everything wrong all the time because all they do is criticize. There ought to be an element of celebration in the church where we're celebrating each other's successes. May the Lord grant you success in all of your plans, and we will raise a banner and shout for joy when it comes to pass. We are for each other. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm for you. Seriously, like from somewhere down in here, like you really mean, look, just look them square in the eye in the face and say, I'm for you. Come on, you can do that one more time. It's a quiet room this morning, but say it, say it with some gusto. Say it, say I'm for you. I want you to succeed. I'm going to rejoice with you. I want you to prosper in your life. If we can't get some encouragement here, where are we going to get it? If we go out into the world, I guarantee you there's not a whole lot of people in the world that are going to be like, man, I'm rooting for you. I hope you succeed in that. Probably what you're going to get from the world is, man, if that guy succeeds, that's less for me. I hope he doesn't make it so that I can... Come on. Here in the house of the Lord is where encouragement ought to happen. We are for each other and we're going to celebrate with each other when the plans come to pass. So I have some homework this week. Everybody say yay for summer homework. Yeah, you sound just like Silas. Yay. Silas wouldn't say yay for homework when it was homework time in school. 
yay for summer homework. Or if you don't like the word homework, maybe this is just action point for the week. Okay, I'm, I'm fooling all of you that hate homework. I'm going to say this is your action point for the week. This is what I want you to think about. And, and have this discussion with yourself and with your spouse if applicable. If you are married, sit down and have this discussion with your spouse. What is one thing I'm going to commit the next 62 days till September? Remember that. This summer, we're going to be intentional that this summer, one thing that I'm going to commit to do to grow spiritually. Just think, maybe maybe you're going to make a plan of, man, I'm going to read through the New Testament this summer. How many of you know that's a good plan to grow spiritually? There, there may be some things that God's dealing with you about. I'm going to spend a little more time praying. I'm going, to, I'm going to be asking, I'm going to take a class. Whatever it may be, I'm going to grow spiritually this summer. What's one thing that you're going to do to commit to learn? To, to actually work your brain a little bit? How many, oh, I'm almost afraid to ask this question. How many of you like to read? How many, how many of you, I guess you don't have to, how many of you can't remember the last time you read a book? Oh, don't raise your hand. How many of you know we need to be lifelong learners? There's something that needs to be stimulated up here in our head that we need to keep learning. What's one thing I could do this summer to actually learn something and and gain some knowledge that I didn't have before? What's one thing I could do this summer physically? I'm going to start walking more. I'm going to ride a bike. I'm going to lose those 20 pounds that I found again after the last time I lost them. Come on, what's one thing? I I guarantee this one, especially if you're wanting to lose some weight, if you don't make a plan, you're going to get to September 1st and you're going to weigh the same or more. I know this from someone's experience close to me. We need to make a plan, and we've got this summer to be intentional about it. What can I do to grow spiritually? What can I do to learn something? What can I do physically that I may want to start doing? And there's a bonus question, and especially if you're married, this is the bonus question. Is there a dollar amount that I want to actually save this summer, and what's my plan to do something with it? And know, know the answer to the bonus question cannot be, I'm going to apply to a credit card with a bigger limit. If you're intentional about it, you could actually make a plan and say, you know what? We're going to put some money aside for this so that when we get to September, we're going to do what we said we planned to do on July 1st. How many of you know that would be a great plan to, to actually tell our money what to do this summer instead of our money telling us what to do? All right, moving right along for this quiet crowd this morning. How many of you are okay with that being our homework? That we're going to go home this afternoon, this week. We're going to have, either we're going to sit individually and think about it, or we're going to have this conversation with our spouse. What should we do to be intentional about using our time wisely this summer? And maybe one of your plans uh, should be, hey, we're going to come next week and learn how to thrive in life and learn that Jesus gives us everything we need. Maybe that's part of it. But that's what we're going to do this summer. We're going to be intentional. We're going to plan. We're going to see God do some things in our midst. And then we are going to celebrate together. In fact, if we get to September and you remember it and say, hey, back on July 1st, you asked us to commit to do this. And this is what happened. I would love to hear that because we'll have a big party. I'll, I'll, I'll have everybody in church stand up and clap with us and we'll rejoice together. And some of you are thinking, I don't want anybody to know that. It's okay. We're going to celebrate together because this is the place to do it. Let's go ahead and stand this morning. I, I saw a note this week that said, uh, 
this, this was the, it would have been his birthday or something. The guy's, the guy's last name was Carrier, and he was the man who invented the air conditioner. And, and I said, thank God for Mr. Carrier. It's, it's because I, as much as I love summer, I also love being cool a little bit and having an opportunity to get out of the heat. So God, we thank you for your moving in our midst. We thank you for the, the things that have come into our lives that, that help us uh, stay comfortable. But we ask, Lord, that we would never be comfortable with not having a plan. And Lord, let us be intentional about the things you want for our lives. God, I ask that you would speak to us all over this room this morning. When, when we sit and take a moment to commit to do, uh, to, to talk about what are we going to do with our time this summer? What are we going to be intentional about? Lord, I ask right now that you would show up tangibly in the middle of that conversation, that your wisdom would flow, that we would sense and know your plan for our lives, that we would plan according to your principles and the things that you have for us, that we would commit our business to you so that we would be successful in the things that we do. Lord, bless the people around this room this morning. I thank you that you have given us the gift of life. You've given us this time and we want to be good stewards of it. Lord, bless us indeed as we make a plan to use our summer wisely that you've given us. Lord, as we go from this place today, I thank you that your goodness goes with us. Your mercy flows in our lives. Lord, let your favor be upon the things that we put our hands to so that the name of Jesus would be exalted and made famous in this region. We thank you for uh, this nation you've given us, Lord, even this week as we take a minute to celebrate freedom. God, we thank you this, this nation you've given us is free, that we could worship, we could assemble together. But Lord, we know that any freedom that we have comes from you that you set us free indeed lord we thank you once again for the cross and the work that you did on our behalf we thank you for your saving power flowing in our lives and we give you the glory and the honor for it in jesus name amen amen if you need some prayer this morning please come up and get some before you go but otherwise have a great afternoon and let's do that let's clap one more time for jesus before we get out of this place bless you guys thank you.